Dra. Welcome to This Could Be Gay, a podcast where we explore all the gay possibilities of pop culture. I'm your host, Anya. My pronouns are she, her, and this week my guest is India. Hi. My pronouns are also she, her, and I am already getting tongue-tied, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. So this week we're going to talk about... You chose um, Penny Dreadful, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're still celebrating spooky season. Yes. Spooky season. Woo-woo. All right. So, yeah. Go for it. Oh, sweet. I get to start? Jump in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. I want to I wanna do the monster mash. <laughs> um, so, um, my, my thoughts about um, this show uh, is that it is tragically underrated. Um, the show is Penny Dreadful. Um, uh, from 2014, it was on Showtime, uh, created by John Logan, and this is not to be confused with the tragically bad um, series, uh, Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which was, um, let's just pretend that doesn't exist. Okay. Because <laughs> um, it, it's it didn't, it was bad. Just, just watch Perry Mason. It's the same story, just done better. Um, but Penny Dreadful is um, fantastic. It knows what it wants to be. It knows it wants to be a cheesy, soapy, um, gorgeous, gothic, romantic adventure into the macabre. And, um, and it is very gay. <laughs> um, it, and, and basically upon examining it... Um, what I what I thought um, looking over it is that it just really could be gayer. Oh yeah. Um, There's plenty of episodes of this podcast where we're like, "There's gay stuff in there, but it could be way gayer." <laughs> yes. And and that's sort of what I love about it, and kind of what I wanted to talk about today is that um, I, I want to praise this show for um, the steps that it did take, and talk a little bit about the relationship between queerness and monstrosity. Okay. Um. And how that can be a good thing, especially in the way that it has been kind of reclaimed, and how there are still steps we need to take before we fully re-embrace that. Absolutely. Um, so one of so the first thing um, in this show is uh, right off the bat, season one, episode one, you have Doctor Frankenstein bringing a creature to life, Ooh. and um, that is the creature who names himself Proteus. Um, he is the protean man. Um, and this is very much the kind of image that you have from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, this um, man who's brought back to life from the dead um, with lightning, and, and it's, you know, very kind of gothic and beautiful um, and, and kind of horror fantastic. But also... Um, the way that this is shot and the way that the music um, gives it, it its ambiance mm-hmm. and the way that it is acted is it the scene tells a love story. Okay. And it is gorgeous. Mm. Um, so um, Proteus is played by Alex Price. 
Okay. And the first thing you see is it, him as an unanimated corpse, and he is completely nude. Bless. You see his, you, you may, like, dick out, totally, <laughs> totally nude. Um, and once he's reanimated, um, and he's standing, and he's kind of in a corner, um, that dick is not soft. Oh, bless. Yeah. Um, that's, that is the first, that's the first, uh, nudity in the show. Um... That's sick, because it's always titties. It's, it's always... always titties! <laughs> Not and, that I'm complaining, but, like... I mean... I just want equal parts. I... It's really kind of rad, because it's... He's not especially sexualized in that scene. It's a, it's a very romantic scene. It's a very loving scene. Um, but... And, and he's kind of almost, like... I don't want to make it sound sick, because it's not, but there's kind of, like, a childlike nature, because he's sort of just been reborn. Right. But, um... I mean, they're eye-fucking. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Um, and, and, yeah, there's a lot of, like, trembling and, like, looking between eyes and lips and <laughs> figuring things out. And I, I think he actually reaches out and touches Frankenstein's lips at some point. There's oh. a lot. Um, it's oh. very overtly romantic. And, and yeah, and, and, and man's got a boner. Uh, and semi-erect. Uh, <laughs> um... And, uh, and that's, and that is how their relationship begins. Um, and it's, it, and, and, and that before Frankenstein even tells him, like, my name is Dr. Frankenstein, and it's the big reveal, except you know he's Frankenstein because you just watched him reanimate a corpse. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, um, that's the first, like, really deeply romantic moment. Um... Things don't necessarily go well for that couple, um, <laughs> if you can call them that. Uh, I, I no spoilers, but like, don't get attached. <laughs> um, and and I I don't want to say that there's um, I the show does kind of fall victim to the barrier gay tropes, uh, the uh, little, um, mm-hmm. but it's also a horror show that kills off almost everybody. Right. So. Um, I feel like it's kind of an equal opportunity killer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is absolutely an instance of, uh, should be gayer. Uh-huh. Um, but they, they didn't, uh, they didn't flinch away from it too much. Um, they certainly do with that character later on. Um, okay. and I, I don't love the way that other relationships play out. Um, but they, they make Frankenstein a total fuck boy. <laughs> um, and let's, let's face it, if Frankenstein... If his relationships were more developed uh, in the book, he would be a total fuckboy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, uh, further literary characters, um, you you then meet, I believe in the next episode, Dorian Gray. Okay. Um, created by famous, wonderful gay author Oscar Wilde, <laughs> hero... <laughs> um, and, um, and Dorian Gray has... Um, this magnetic attraction. Everybody that you see him interact with is just totally drawn to him. Um, one of the first scenes that you see him in is uh, like a full orgy. Um, everybody around him is having sex and he's just sitting in the middle of it and he's totally bored um, <laughs> because Dorian Gray is immortal and he's like, there's a picture of him that ages and he does not. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the story. <laughs> um, right. He's also kind of a bad guy, but you know, like he's a very morally gray character rather. Um, but, um, <laughs> bad, 
pun. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so the first romantic interaction that you see, or sexual interaction that you see, because it, it is not romantic, <laughs> it's gross, um, <laughs> is Dorian um, having a, a sexual tryst with this woman who then later becomes involved with um, the kind of like main hero of the story, um, who's a, a, an American cowboy. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they have a fantastic, uh, beautiful kind of relationship, this, uh, this woman and this cowboy, and it's very doomed and sad. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would be very easy for the show to just kind of have some sort of sexual tension between Dorian Gray and Ethan Chandler, the cowboy character. Oh yeah. Um, and then just sort of have this, uh, this woman in between there as a placeholder mm -hmm. and never examine that. Yeah. <laughs> like they do that with so many, right. So many, uh, stories and so many shows Oh yeah, where they'll just be like, yeah, you could read into that if you want, but there's, there's a woman in between them. So it's fine. Right. Um, like Buffy. <laughs> yes, an angel. Everybody knows that there's probably fan fiction of that. So much, so much. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great, great example. <laughs> um, and and so it's totally thrilling mm -hmm. when in episode four, so only four episodes in, they totally go there. Oh. And, um, so, like, there's been a, a fight between the, the hero and his girlfriend, and, um, and they're, they're kind of, like, on a break, um, and, uh, and so he goes out drinking and partying with Dorian Gray, and, um, they drink a bunch of absinthe, and they are listening to music and hanging out, and, um, and the music swells, and it's big and cascading and gorgeous and they walk across the room to each other and they just start making it out. Blessed. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's a good kiss. <laughs> um, and it's later revealed in a, a later episode that like, not only did they make out, they fully had sex. Oh. And, um, and, and a, a demon is trying to taunt the cowboy hero guy. And, and so he's like, you know, oh, did, you know, like, who fucked who, like, you know, it's very, like, you know, misogynistic and um, heteronormative and bullshit. But um, yeah. he's trying to make him feel bad. And you see that it gets gets to the cowboy a little bit, but not really. Mm -hmm. um, and it is revealed that um, Ethan Chandler, romantic cowboy hero, uh, is a bottom. Bless. <laughs> yeah. So we have two canonically bi men. Um, Hell yeah subverting some some standards and tropes and assumptions which is really rad yeah um wouldn't have minded watching more of that <laughs> <laughs> um and it it makes things feel a little better when you get like there is a there's another character who comes in who's um who's gay who's in the closet um he has kind of a, a cowardly lion kind of character mm -hmm. to him, and he's um, uh, he's always talking about like his wife, except you never see his wife, <laughs> and she's just like, <laughs> "It's big." My my girlfriend goes to another school. Energy, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. 
totally. And he's like, um, uh, he's got like weird gay energy where he's like, it's very like Victorian era, like the eccentric man who like probably just like pays a lot of male hookers on the side kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I use that term, uh, hopefully not in an offensive way. I tend to throw my language around, hopefully not, uh, to the offense of sex workers. I'm very, very pro-sex work. Um, um, so that is a... Yes, is, this is this is a pro-sex work podcast. Yes, I, I uh, yeah, like, that, is, that was not meant in a demeaning way. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I, and also that, that character is um, one of my favorite characters, but I feel like um, if he were the only representation of a gay character on the show, it would be really disappointing. Right. He is also the uh, only overt representation of a Jewish character, which is a little funny, but I'm also like, we get a gay and Jewish character in one character. I'm here for it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's sick. Um, but, uh, like, we also have, like, like I just, I kind of have to, like, keep going. I'm like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's so much. There's so much representation yeah. on this show. Um, because we also have... Um, uh, the the character of Angelique who comes in in um, the second season I believe and she's kind of a short running character um, I think she's in five episodes and she is played by oh gosh I will have to look it up um, but she's amazing and um, she is a trans woman Awesome. Um, who has a love affair with the Dorian Gray character. Mm -hmm. And they have um, more than one quite graphic sex scene. Mm -hmm. She's a tr uh, she has several nude scenes. And she is a trans woman who is very femme. And she has a penis. And that is explicitly shown on screen, which I think is fantastic and should definitely happen more. Oh, absolutely. Um... And there are some scenes where she's kind of harassed, but she doesn't back down, and she is shown to have a lot of her own strength, and she's also defended by her lover. There's a big coming out ball for her. Oh. Um, spoiler alert, she's also killed in an instance of intimate partner violence. Oof. So... Not great. Oh, <laughs> Definitely loses some points. Oh, yeah. But it also kind of goes toward the morally gray elements of Dorian Gray's character. Mm -hmm. And maybe why, like, he's not an ideal and excellent being. Mm -hmm. But she herself is never vilified. She is always a wonderful, wonderful person. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So... That is um, that is something that I think, and 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 even her name, like Angelique, mm -hmm. she is angelic. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's really important, and I love that the show brings that. So we have two canonically by men. We have a, um, a character dealing with being in the closet. We have um, like uh, trans representation. Uh, where are our lesbians? Yeah, where are they? <laughs> Um, unfortunately, they are not written in, um, explicitly. Okay. But they're, I 
it's kind of there. Okay. <laughs> um, you kind of have to have your shipper goggles on. Gotcha. But, um... I always do. When don't I? Of course. <laughs> yes. This is kind of... Unfortunately, we sort of have to, but... Right. But also, um, there are some, there's some good stuff. Right. And uh, the overarching storyline for Penny Dreadful is the Dracula story. Mm-hmm. Which I, I kind of gay could be gayer, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the character of Mina um, in the uh, Penny Dreadful story has already been taken by Dracula, the the monster, the vampire, and it is about her beloved friend who is trying to get her back. Mm-hmm. So uh, that character is named Vanessa, and she's kind of the, the main character of all of the, the series. Um, and there's this fantastic episode entitled More Than Sisters, mm. or Closer Than Sisters, perhaps. I think it's Closer Than Sisters, where um, it the, the story centers around the kind of ca- catastrophic disillusion of their friendship, mm-hmm. which happened kind of over a man. Um, and you see how for years and years they were the the two best friends who lived next door to each other and grew up together and did everything together. And I love that trope, you know, like friends to lovers. Blessed. So good. <laughs> it's so good. And especially because they're these two, like, very privileged Victorian young girls who are very sheltered. And so they kind of like all of their experiences sort of come from one another and they really like, they just yeah, they off do. each other. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. They practice kissing on each other. You know it. Um, and it's just, it's good. It's so good. And then on, on the complete other end of that spectrum, you have this episode in um, season two, uh, which is also a flashback episode. And that is the episode that features the absolutely incredible Patti Lapone. Mm. And Patti Lapone is my hero. She can do no wrong. She <laughs> was the original Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Um, and she is, I'll watch anything she's in. She's amazing. Um, and she was um, in this episode as the, um, the cut wife. Uh, she's an abortionist and oh, okay. she's a witch and she lives out um, on the moors in this little cabin. Um, and she is, um, she's, she's kind of this sort of terrifying little lonely figure. And you realize that she is that way because this, these women that she loved betrayed her mm-hmm. and, um, and sort of cast her out. And she's relating herself to Vanessa in a lot of ways and welcomes her in and teaches her her craft um, of being a witch um, and abortion. Um, the two are so often linked. And she asks... Two necessary things. <laughs> very much. Very much. Um, and she talks about um, her missing friend and she asks at one point, have you kissed her lips? And that goes on quite a lot. And there are a lot of references to kissing and kissing other women. And, um, and it just draws so much into the history of lesbianism and witchcraft and 
um, the way that that women have for so long been persecuted for being different and being outsiders in society and um, providing necessary services like medicine and abortion and being women who love women. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me is, I think, the, the singular episode that I would suggest somebody watch if they want to watch this show and get a feel for what it's like and um, just watch a really excellent piece of television mm -hmm. because it does stand alone and it's also just amazing. <laughs> the, the sisters one? Um, yes, it is. Uh, oh, gosh. It's called um, The Nightcomers. And oh, okay. I, it is in episode two or season two. Okay. Um, and yeah, uh, Patty Lapone plays uh, Joan Clayton, and she is absolutely stunning in it. I bet. Yes. <laughs> um, so those are those are just kind of like the the general um, themes and concepts. Um, you know, you have these uh, these tropes of like you know reanimation and and like being something other than a, like fully alive and part of society or um being othered because you live away from others and like are cast out um these are things that i think like people who experience love and attraction differently have kind of always sort of identified with mm -hmm. um and i think that it's something that we have also kind of had to reclaim because those ideas have often been forced upon us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I can, I can go on about that, but I think, um, I think I made my point and also I don't want to belabor anything because I know I've talked a lot. <laughs> no, you're all good. We love to hear it. You know, <laughs> our listeners are listening for a reason, you know, Thank and you. that's this. <laughs> Thank you for listening. So glad you do. <laughs> so, uh, keeping the spookiness alive, we're going to roll on into Ghostbusters. Ooh. Uh, ooh, who are you going to call? Not Bill Murray, because he sucks. Yeah. Um, so if you've never seen Ghostbusters, which, like, if you... Most people have seen Ghostbusters, I'm assuming, at some point in their life. Probably not in a while. It does not hold up, but basically, <laughs> three parapsychologists forced out of their university funding set up shop as a unique ghost removal service in New York City, attracting frightened yet skeptical customers. <laughs> That's the um, synopsis on IMDb. Um, <laughs> I feel like they're leaving a lot out. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like if someone tried to sell me that movie today and I had never heard of Ghostbusters... I would absolutely not watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. So this movie just has so many problems. I honestly didn't finish it because I was like, this is so bad. <laughs> There's so many consent issues. Plus Bill Murray's a fucking garbage pile mm -hmm. that abuses spouses. I I don't want to deal with it. And ghosts. But, <laughs> and ghosts. <laughs> um, so, but all that aside... Ernie Hudson's hot as hell and <laughs> should have been so gay in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dan Aykroyd should have been gay. They all should have been gay if you ask me. But, you know. I want a gay Ghostbusters franchise. Oh, my God. Yes. I feel like with the the new one, the 2016 one, I mean, because the one's coming out this year. But the 2016 version, all women version. Yes. Uh, Kate McKinnon's character, Jillian Holtzman. Uh, in the new one, the 2016 one, she 
absolutely should have been gay. She she definitely had the potential to be a gay icon. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like her character even read that way. Oh, yeah. But they just never explicitly... Did, like, the only thing in the movie that's overtly romantic is Kristen Wiig, um, like, drooling over Chris Hemsworth. Who also should have been gay. Yeah, who also should have been gay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Everybody in these movies should have been gay, if you ask me. But... That's what this podcast is about. <laughs> yes. That's why we're here. So um, I think that there's a really interesting dynamic between Kristen Wick's character and Melissa McCarthy's character because they kind of have fallen away from being friends and being like, what are they? They're co-workers pretty much. They, it, they research the paranormal together. Um, and I think that they, they had this like falling out and went their separate ways, but then some there's, like, paranormal activity in the city, and so they end up getting brought back together, and I'm like, mm, you know, was friends, now they're enemies, but now lovers. Also, mm -hmm. the, I would love to see Melissa McCarthy in an explicitly sexualized role. Oh, absolutely. Because as a fat woman, like, we know that those roles are few and far between. Um, and in a like, very explicitly sexualized gay role? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, absolutely. And, um, Leslie Jones, too. Yes! It would have been so cool to see Leslie Jones just be, like, this unapologetic queer woman. Yes. And, but we didn't get it. <laughs> no. And she definitely faced the, the hardest criticism. Oh, yeah, she did. I love Leslie Jones. I think that people are assholes, and they should not have treated her the way they did, especially when this movie came out, but just in general. Yeah. She's one of my favorite performers in general, and I know she can do that wrong. I love her. <laughs> she's hilarious. Um, I follow her on Instagram, and she's always posting weird shit, and recently she posted a video of how to fight with acrylic nails. <laughs> so, like, how to throw a punch with acrylic nails. It's an and, important like, scale. Yeah, it's an important scale. And I was like, hell yeah, thanks, Leslie. <laughs> but, anyway. I think that these movies, especially the original, could have used... Like, it would have been so wild to have a gay plot in 1984 when this came out. Like... The, all of the shit that didn't age well was so, so bad. Like, there's a scene where Bill Murray is making out with Sigourney Weaver, and I'm sorry, they have character names, but they're complicated, and I don't fucking remember them, so we're going with the actor. <laughs> we know exactly who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, you know about. who I'm talking about. So, Sigourney Weaver is um, possessed by this demon or something, ghost, whatever, and... You can't consent when you're possessed. Yeah, you can't consent when you're possessed, exactly. He's, like, making out with her on this bed, and he keeps, like, trying to pull away. He's like, oh, well, we probably shouldn't, but then he's like, hmm, smooch, 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 and I'm just like, the, you're being a rapist. That's what you're doing right now. She's not consenting to this, but this is her body. Like, what? I don't understand how it was, like, this funny plot point at one point. Yeah, there, there. I feel like especially in that era, there were a lot of movies that were guilty of that. But um, oh yeah, but especially like a movie that was aimed particularly at like young teens. That's right. very disturbing. Right. Absolutely. Um, 
And then there's also a character in the original. Um, she is the um, the secretary of the the business, and she is 100% a lesbian. They try to like play it off as her being uh, in a like situationship with um, Egon Spangler, the Harold Ramis character. He. Um, they kind of played off like they're kind of involved, but no, absolutely not. She's a lesbian. Um, canon, if you ask me. <laughs> Nobody should ask me anything. <laughs> but yeah, she's definitely got a girlfriend and or a wife at home that she is bringing in the bacon for at her weird job as a paranormal secretary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that... They had so many opportunities that they could have done so many cool things with, and I feel like this is what I say over and over again, but, like, you you mentioned something about having your, um, your, like, shipper goggles on, mm -hmm. and I feel like if we don't have those on, we never see anything. Like, yes. In the mainstream, there's these tropes that we see over and over again where it's like this tragic love story where they can't be together. One of them gets hate crimed. One of them stays in a marriage, you know, like whatever. But if you want something that's lighthearted and just like passing representation, it doesn't exist. Even if we get lighthearted stuff, it still ends up being kind of depressing somehow. Right. Yes, absolutely. And we, right. we don't get these cute genre yeah, features. we don't get some, you know, lesbian woman who fights ghosts and has a wife, you know? Like, yes. we don't get... I... yeah. That's what I want. I want I want a lesbian, spooky, fun thriller where they fight ghosts. Yeah, like fucking Practical Magic, where they're not sisters, but they're together. Or, um, yeah, I just... When will it happen? <laughs> when will we start getting just these... Cheesy ass movies, but gay. I I really thought when um, when we talked about doing this, I really thought about um, talking about the Covenant. Ooh. Because per, partly because we both adore Sebastian Stan. <laughs> yes. And I just want to talk about that locker scene. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> uh, the locker room scene where he's uh, like looking all cute. Um, <laughs> Blessed. Yeah. <laughs> talk about Sebastian Stan in pretty much any movie where he's looking all cute. <laughs> Um, yeah. and even the ones where he has a bad mustache. Oh my god. <laughs> um, that movie. <laughs> oh god. Dear lord. Um, but, uh, I, I thought about, like, you know, the, like, cheesy gay witches, like, gay warlocks and witches, like, kind of thing. Absolutely. Thought about that as well, and thought about, like, oh, that would be fun, um, uh, to talk about. But, you know, even that's, like... No, still, still doesn't really, doesn't work. You right. really have to be looking for it. Yeah. We're always looking for it, aren't we? we and, and, you know, and that's kind of part of the fun is you, you can just, that's what fan fiction is for, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's you, why we write it. That's why we draw the art. That's why yeah, things. that's why we, yeah, you know, retcon everything <laughs> on our own. <laughs> But yeah, um, this has been This Could Be Gay. You can find me on Instagram at Anya Monique, and you can find the show on Instagram at This Could Be Gay. Um, you can find me on Twitter at The India Allen and um, Around. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for bearing with us over our unintended break. 
um, be gay and do crime. I knew that she was mine, so I gave her all the love that I had.